You're listening to the Stronger Stride podcast with your hosts, Lydia Mackay and Sophie Lane. I feel like I haven't with run the, for like a month. <laughs> Sorry? It feels like I haven't run in a month. Oh, like since yeah. Since like 40k, well, it's just like been nothing. I was, mm. See, I had a look at my Strava and I was like, oh, I've had so much time off. But <laughs> hang on, it's actually not that bad. I just like had a slight, a 30% decrease, <laughs> which is like, was fine because that was what I had been. I'd been planning on hitting 70Ks a week and then just randomly got excited and did like 85, 85, 100, 100. And then I was like, okay, chill out. So drop down just a touch to what I had planned on doing because I had that um, tib ant play up, which Mm. I explained what that muscle is on the last episode if you listen. (laughs) And hopefully you know. If not, Dr. Google will help you out. And then, yeah, chilled out. And then the next week I chilled out even more. I basically had a rest week, which was like 30 Ks. And yeah, I don't love rest weeks, but I'm so glad I did it because I just was like, I'm going to be really strict and really good. And I don't need to do any more training before UTA. So I'm going to chill out and make sure this tip ant thing is completely gone. Um, and I planned to do a two week taper anyway. So it just meant it was going to be a three week taper, which, you know, is really not, is not, wildly significant so did that and then the week just gone was like 60 ish k's and then this is the final week leading up to uta <laughs> and i've got a rough plan um it's going to be pretty easy i'm going to go to my usual track session in the morning i say track it's literally a footy oval but <laughs> track session um and just sort of jog around and do um half the session um and maybe a few easy runs. Well, not maybe. I'm probably going to run every day, to be honest, but they're just wow. going to be. Well, because I've just realized <laughs> I, I think I'm Tell better off epiphany. doing like a two to 5K run than no run, one, seven or 8K run, no run, no run. You know what I mean? I think I'd be better off doing a few short little runs. Um, partly for my head, it just feels good. Um, maintain my routine. I think that's really important. Um, just to make sure my body feels good in the past when I've had time off, I never normally feel that good. When I first come back, I normally feel good like a few weeks later, um, or like maybe three or four runs that are hard later. So I think from that history, I'm going to be better off attacking my taper week like that. Oh, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Oh, I'm just processing it. So oh. when you say you're going to run every day. Oh, well, not every day. Can we have like an actual, <laughs> can we have the details? Yep. All right. Okay. So oh, I keep thinking today's Tuesday. It's not. Today's Monday. Complete rest day. Tomorrow, going to track. Probably going to run around 5Ks over an mm-hmm. hour. Mm-hmm. Um, a few sort of like fast efforts, but very cautious. Um, <laughs> Wednesday, probably start my morning with a two or three K run. We'll go to the gym, <laughs> have a good gym session. That'll probably be my last like solid gym session. Yeah. Um, Thursday will be um, upper body at the gym and maybe a two or three K run. And then Friday, 
keeping things ticking over. I may oh, yeah. even do a few strides on Friday because I'll be in the plane as well. Yeah, I can't believe you're flying. Be- I know. So yeah, so well, weird. I haven't got Gosh. time to drive. International athlete. <laughs> yeah, that's it. International. Who's paying um, for your flights? You got some sponsorship oh, deals there. I wish someone was paying. I did that dumb thing. If anyone like, wants to reach out. out yeah, if you need some flight me. money. Yeah, <laughs> poor it's uni too late student. Now. Well, yeah, no, but I did that dumb thing where you like click on the flights, and then you see the really cheap deal, and then you like, oh, okay, I'll book later, and then you go back to it, and it like it knows that you looked at it, <laughs> yeah. and then bam, the flights are so much more expensive. Google's watching you. I tried to like delete everything and like. Oh delete. yes. Anyway, I was like, in the end, I was like, you know what? I can make so money. worth it. Centrelink does does me well, so I'll be so fine. Worth it. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's my tactic. Love it. Oh wow, it's very soon actually. Gosh, I'm so excited. This time next I just week feel really like I miss running and I miss the gym already. And today, <laughs> today is only day off. I'm like, I just really oh. want to go to the gym. Really want to run. Um, you can. Yeah, too. I think I'm gonna. Yes. Anyway, that's it. That's my plan. And do some swims in there as well, just to like. You know, yep. cold therapy, get in the ocean. Nice. Anyway, so tell Gosh, me. That was a journey, wasn't it? <laughs> I know. That was a really long-winded answer. But there was just like a few different factors. Overall, so many details. all in all, in summary, my body's feeling good. There's more, like, guys. There's more. Tip and is She's great. not done yet. Carbs are great. Quads are good. Like all the muscles feel fine. All the muscles. Good. Um, I just feel like, I just feel like craving like a really good hard gym session to be honest is what i feel like <laughs> so that's just we'll save it for next week i think you'll survive yeah, i know i really want to like a good solid leg day but probably not you'll have a great leg day on saturday mate. i know i know <laughs> save it I for know. then yeah anyway okay. enough of you yeah i'm sorry it's my turn I'm boring so on where to do i begin sophie how <laughs> much detail shall i go into um no well you haven't said anything so i feel like Oh, maybe yes. you're not as good a friend as I thought. I haven't oh posted gosh. on Strava in like well, nearly a month. Yes. No, okay. it's not been that long. Three weeks. Yeah, well, the ha- I've been waiting for you to message me like, are you alive? Why have you not posted on Strava? What's going on? Are you running? Well, because you've no updated me in text messages. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Look, it still would be nice <laughs> to someone to get Guys, someone. I've got an inside source. I'm not all about Strava. I thought I'd well, have little like bit. messages flooding and like, wow, what's <laughs> happened? Where have you gone? Like, where's Flash Rat? Like, he hasn't even oh, acknowledged yeah. the fact I haven't posted. Anyway, thanks for everyone can for caring. Can I just be, can we just make a comment? You're about the one Flash who puts Rat? things on oh. private. You <laughs> often put warm-ups and cool-downs on private. Yeah, because so. no one cares about my 1K warm-up. Like, I'm all well, about the good content. I would have Remember quality, not quantity? Oh, <laughs> Regardless, right. I always put my actual runs up, but I haven't because I don't even know why. They just were auto- they're automatically on private. And then I was like, mm. I don't feel like sharing that because they've just been a bit like not great. So since we last talked, I haven't run much. I can't even think why now but basically i've done lots of little slow runs (laughs) (laughs) but they've all been like six minute k's and like three kilometers and which is fine if that's where you're at that's great but that's not where i want to be at so i just not willing to put on strava so i was embarrassed i feel embarrassed (laughs) which i feel like is something i need to overcome because who cares you need to read the book that i just finished what's that it's um oh it's called new world Mm -hmm. by eckhart tolle Sure. Guys, right. or you can be recommendation. 
Big shout recommendation. Out, shout out. Well, yeah. So <laughs> he I doesn't just, need my shout out, but yeah. <laughs> I just felt like my longest run was 5Ks. Look, I don't want to talk about it. Basically, I'm having a really great taper. <laughs> We're just going to see what happens on the weekend. Can we just talk a little bit about what's going on with your hamstring? Oh, I forgot. Oh, God. <laughs> I was thinking something You're as bad as me. Yeah, I look, forget. Yeah, actually, it's been, it's been oh, some. I'm pressing it right now. My hamstring's really sore, guys. Um, <laughs> just forgot like, why you hadn't done much running. It's just, oh, I don't understand. I've, that's why, I, yeah, that's why I haven't been running. Um, but I don't know how to fix it in however many days. Mm. So we're just going to roll with it. It's not like bad. Like it's not like torn. Mm. It's just like a. Are little you doing some isometric thing. strength? Yeah, so I've done some bridges. I've done some like hamstring slides. I don't well, know. Well, in terms of this weekend, yes, yeah. yeah. So the best we'll, thing you can do is rest it. Post UTA, um, yeah. Assignment. But anyway, apart from that, I'm fine. Well, I would good. say, you know what we both need to do more what? of this week? Mm. Sleep. Yes, so much sleep. So much. Actually, it's nearly bedtime. So we should get on to it. That's my week or my last few weeks. Hope everyone else's tapers are going well. I hope you're enjoying some rest. Mm. Get a little bit. You know what? It frees up your schedule. I've got plenty of time now. Not doing four hours on a Sunday. It's great. Well, that's it. Um, And I was thinking as well, I was like, I'm going to have so much extra time the next couple of days in Mm. the mornings. I'm like, I should start like a project or something and start like a new hobby. You just said you Um, needed more sleep. Why don't you just... I know. But I was thinking I'd get the juggling balls back out again. (laughs) I did last night. Check out our Instagram. I posted a UTA gear check video Mm. wearing my new Stronger Stride singlet. So Mm. if anyone wants one, then let us know. (laughs) We only only got two made. We're very exclusive. It's very exciting. <laughs> but you know what I noticed? It was really heavy. Like I haven't, oh. you know how the whole time, all this whole year we've been saying, oh, we need to run with our packs and practice with our packs and get used to it, which I have been doing, but I don't fill mm-hmm. it with everything. Like I don't put two no, liters of water in the back. And as soon as I filled that up and put it on, I was like, oh no. <laughs> so it's going to be I think heavy. I've done like five runs with the weight vest and like, I always have my pack, but yeah, just the water and like, yeah. that's it. That's anyway, fine. we'll figure it out, but Bring we should get on with it because it is yes. bedtime and it is very late for us. Sort of stuff. But is... today's episode um, oh. with Ben from Solution, really interesting, a local guy from the Central Coast originally. Yeah. Um, so shout out to anyone from Daly's Point. And yeah, we just chatted about, well, basically shin splints was our main topic mm. of conversation. Well, can we just say... So mm-hmm. he's Ben from Solution. Solution is a medical device. We, this all gets explained in the episode, but um, you might be familiar with it. It's like bright blue and it kind of looks like a compression sleeve that goes on your shin or your lower leg, um, kind of like a big, long compression sock. It isn't a compression sock. It's like got blue sort of banding. Um, ben goes into all of this, but just so you can sort of have a picture in your head of what Solution is, it's a medical device to help improve or alleviate shin splints which everyone should have heard of shin splints um ben talks about what they are what we understand about them what it actually means like shin splints is actually an umbrella term which he explains um and basically we delve into medial tibial stress syndrome which is more what the solution his product is targeted to improve or manage um, yep. So yeah, 
if you're struggling with shin splints, you've had it on and off for ages, um, this could be an option for you. But also, mm. we're not just trying to sell the products. So there's a lot of other information no. about load management, returning to running, strengthening exercises, um, a bit more about the anatomy behind what actually is shin splints. So, mm. yeah, a heap of information. If you've had yeah. it or if you're just a runner because the risk of you having it is probably pretty high, so you might get some tips um, in order to minimise your risk down the track. Mm. Well, that's it. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I'd like just to get across to our listeners now is that this episode isn't just an ad or sorry, it's not an ad at all. Please don't just switch off. Basically, if you've ever had shin pain or you know someone who has or you're interested in it, listen because we delve into it and delve into what it is and the other things that it could be and how you should go about getting help how his product can be a tool in the toolbox or a piece of the puzzle to help assist runners with this injury. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Enjoy the episode guys and good luck to everyone running UTA and we will chat to you after. And don't forget to subscribe and send us an email, follow us on Instagram. Um, We will put in the show notes, all of the links to the solution all the links to Ben, all of our links, of course, that you guys can write us a review and um, yeah, share on your story. If you're listening as well, we always love a good share in the <laughs> comment. So that's it. Uh, without further ado, um, here is the episode. All right. Welcome back guys. We've got a very special guest today with us. We've got Ben from Solution. Um, I believe he's the managing director, um, co-owner, yep. probably Um, creator of solution but I'll let him go through a little bit more detail about that but yeah really interesting story about how he went from being a swimmer into some biomedical engineering and now has created a really cool product that hopefully will help some of you guys and um, yeah a bit of a solution to some injuries so Ben if you want to give us a bit of background (laughs) on yourself welcome welcome um, Ben you are let us know thank you Sophie a bit of background on me so yeah I'm a biomedical mechanical engineer uh did quite a few very complicated what are called class three medical device things through my degree but the whole purpose of me doing my degree was i was an athlete and i hated offshore oil and gas engineering when i was studying it um saw biomedical and mechanical engineering thought hey maybe i can make some stuff for athletes like me uh met a medical doctor he was a student at the time we met each other at the ais uh, in the food food hall uh, and used to eat dry pork steaks and talk about how maybe if we merged our minds together, we could build something interesting for athletes. And yeah, that's kind of like how it all, how it all really started. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. So you were a swimmer originally? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I was a sprint cool. swimmer and now yeah, I do right. long, slow runs, not very quick, oh, but a, I've a just, my, my physio always looks at me. I've still got the same physio and he's always like, what are you doing? why the change oh so my shoulders were horrific by the end of my swimming career I did like everything to the standards that I could and then they just I had slack tears in both of them stopped swimming and then I don't know I got fat you know like most swimmers do (laughs) you're trying not to eat three times the average person's daily intake all of a sudden Uh, and then I don't know I just found almost like mental peace and quiet in long, slow runs kind of thing. Uh, and even though I was a bit on the heavy side when I started, I've lost 16 kilos now, yeah, back, wow. back down to my swimming weight. So 
enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. 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 Do you do any events or anything or you just run for fitness and health? No, I've done one event. I did the city to surf. Uh, nice. Just, I just love running by myself, putting putting yeah. my headphones in, maybe not even listening to anything if the headphones aren't in, obviously. Uh, <laughs> just kind of trotting along. I used to live, I've moved back down to the city, but I used to live up on the central coast. I think Lydia used to live there. I heard a view through Margaret up at the, um, oh. at the, the rudders shop there. Of um, course. Whereabouts on the coast? Daly's Point, so oh, um, awesome. yeah, just, nice. just used to hit the trail and kill myself on the hill. Oh, uh, <laughs> wow, the straight to the trails. Yeah, I learned the hard way. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so what yeah. sort of distances are you running at the moment then? Uh, so at the moment, um, probably just a half marathon most weekends and building up to my first 50K in July. Hopefully. Oh, awesome. Oh. So, wow. yeah, not very quick though. Just That's like all right. Old, it doesn't matter. Neither <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. As long as you get yeah. it done eventually. That's why you don't do, yeah. like, we don't do sprinting because, you know, you can be slow. Like, as long as you get yeah. there. As long as you beat the yeah. cutoff, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, yeah. <laughs> just, just accepting I'm not a quick runner and how do I get away with that? I just run further. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Man. Yeah. Exactly. That's my philosophy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. Which um event are you gonna do? do I was just gonna do it by myself. Oh, oh just wow. a solo fifty. Yeah, just wow, brave. Head out, head out either the Bay Run or Narrabeen Lagoon in Sydney. Oh gosh, just, good on you. Just do loops. Just do laps. <laughs> yep. Gee, so. are you gonna get um a bit of a support crew around you? You're just gonna disappear and hope, hopefully. Well, um, I've gone. I've gone up to. I've gone up to thirty four by myself, and that was wow. fine. But I'll see how I go with the extra sixteen. I started getting a few cramps uh, mm. at, at about thirty-four k. So yeah, right. Yeah. Uncharted territory. Yeah. You got yeah. heaps of time between now and then, though, right? You yeah. know, <laughs> what a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fast this year. It's flying by. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Actually, wow, you're right. Yeah, it's May. Oh, yeah, it's... keep up. <laughs> yeah. No, two months. <laughs> is it July? Oh, do you say July? Look, month and a yeah. half. Yeah. Month and a half, I'll be fine. You will, you'll smash it. Just gotta that's argue, argue with myself for a few hours. That's just all that's, that's it. gonna it's be. All <laughs> it is. It's a runner's mentality. Yeah, yeah for sure. Don't give up. Yeah. So. <laughs> Very good. Cool. All right. Well, how did you go then? I guess that's a little bit about your personal history. You said you met a doctor. Um, is he or she part of Solution now? Is that kind of you all? Yeah. Yeah. Talks? Yeah, so there's myself, uh, Will, who's now an orthopedic registrar in, in down in Wollongong, and Rosa, who's a medical product designer. So she studied industrial design. Um, she was a gymnast. Will was a runner, and I was a swimmer. And then we all kind of came together and thought, let's try to do something with this for athletes, with like our brains. And then we did a quick brainstorm, um, and then decided to go for shin splints right off the <laughs> bat. So you know, we spoke. I live with a few pretty stellar runners in, in Canberra and they all had had it or had friends who had had it and it had cost a lot of seasons. You know, there seems to be a lot of emotional turmoil at all levels of running with the injury, like even top all the way down to just your weekend warriors. So just thought, give it a crack, see what we can do. And, you know, like treatment was pretty limited 
according to everyone. So we thought, let's go down this rabbit hole. It's uh, been a very deep rabbit hole. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to so, be one of the most common injuries. Like it's something you hear people complain about all the time. Yep. Yeah, so, I think there was a, um, what was it? A systematic review published this year. Um, and it was the second most common running related injury. Um, right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Up there. We, we, um, it's not going to be publishable data, but we did a New South Wales health program, spoke to 500 runners just on the dot. And it was about 16, well, it was not about, it was 16.4% of them had had confirmed diagnosis of MTSS. Mm. And then just in front of that was plantar fasciitis. And mm. then after, right after was Achilles tendinopathy. And then I can't remember, I think they just grouped it under runner's knee. It was about, yeah. about mm. the same. So, yeah. yeah, usually a big four. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you think you're going to sort of tackle those other three as well down the track? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tick them off the list, get the top four? Or is shin splits <laughs> going to be the focus forever? Uh, I'd love to do. So my thesis was on plantar fasciitis. Oh, uh, oh wow. But the more I learn about shin splints or medial tibial stress syndrome, the more deeper the rabbit hole gets and the more I can see like no one knows what's really truly going on. It's like, so they say the pathophysiology is poorly understood. So it's the nice, easy way to dodge uh, making a concrete claim. Um, but it's, it's a good, it's a good injury to go deep on. Um, but I think the problem in sports medicine, a lot of us are having is, you know, every time we approach someone they're like who's not an athlete they kind of go oh well it's not killing anyone and that's why there's no research mm. or that's why we're not going to fund the research that's all three of us we're going to have nice fun lives if we keep going down the sports medicine route uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah for so, sure. yeah yeah cool and why do you think it is so common is, have you looked at sort of risk factors or is there a sort of common mistake that runners make you think or um yep. is it just to do with footwear or yeah what's going on there well i think maybe the so there's two trains of thought so shin splints the um, is an umbrella term and then under that umbrella there's a lot of differentials that you need to navigate in the injury mm. so uh, if you'd like to check it out uh dr matt hislop matthew hislop brisbane sports physician he did a literature review on popliteal entrapment syndrome so it's mm. not shin splints but it's got this amazing little table in there, um, which just goes, here's MTSS, medial tibial stress syndrome, here's chronic exertional compartment syndrome, popliteal artery entrapment syndrome, functional anatomical, and then stress fractures. Helps people kind of understand, and obviously the everyday runner is not going to go look for that table, uh, but, you know, helps you understand and navigate this exertional leg pain kind of in the shin area a, a little bit better. And mm. there's a lot of misdiagnosis with shin splints. But if we're looking at the most common, which is medial tibial stress syndrome, unfortunately, you're not getting from A to B when you get a diagnosis of medial tibial stress syndrome because that injury is poorly understood as well. And mm. we call it a syndrome just because it encompasses a lot of factors. Mm. Um, two most common like trains of thought to do with MTSS is one, it's the bone loading. So you've got your tibia, your, your shin bone is deteriorating quicker than it can remodel due to excessive load. So as the, the runner loads up, uh, increases, in, uh, increases their training volume, changes surfaces, even changes biomechanics, you know, they're loading up their tibia in a way that they're 
their body can simply just not handle it. You know, so it can't withstand that load. Causes inflammation. So first, first sign of the stress response, excessive load, inflammation, periostitis, then bone marrow edema after that, followed by what are called intracortical signals under MRI. So, you know, just basically weakening of the cortical bone mm-hmm. and then it can lead to a stress fracture. That's one thought. The other right. thought, which is at Shinslid, so I'm a little historian, I think it was 1958 Shinslid's first coined. Uh, you know, it was a, a fascia. Bit of trivia information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a fascia, it was a fasciopathy or a fascial traction kind of injury where, you know, the hypothesis was a dysfunctioning soleus and the mm. fascial attachment into the tibia was getting pulled um, and yanked, you know, off the bone and causing inflammation and pain, basically. So that was the other theory, but it initially got ruled out because everyone was like, well, your soleus doesn't attach to the distal third of your tibia. It doesn't attach there. No muscles attach there. But kind of what's been happening since is every now and then, probably this is going to be wrong, so don't <laughs> me out on it. It's like 50% of the studies will say, yes, there is muscles attached to the distal third. Uh, and then 50% of other studies will say, no, there's no muscles attached to the distal third. So, yeah, I think the reason in saying all that is there's a soft tissue component that people believe and there's a bone loading component that people believe. And I think based on the fact I've seen, you know, well over a thousand people now treated with the injury and seen all the time scales of how quick some people can return and how quick, how slow others can, that there's definitely a scale there of maybe more bone loading, more soft tissue. So this fascial traction kind of theory, the people who are predisposed to it, on the bone loading side, people who just increase their volume too quick or pre-season mm. at the end of the season when you've got all your finals coming through. Um, the other risk factors over pronating feet. So mm. if, you know, if you look at the bottom of your shoe and you see wear and tear sign signaling over pronation, it's probably not for you. Maybe take it into a running shop with people who know what to look for. Um, those things, weakness of the calves, weakness of the hips and core, you know, people who don't swap out their shoes every mm. 600 kilometers are a high risk factor as well. Um, and then also female athletes and they have absolutely no idea why. Uh, <laughs> it's always the way, it's always the females. <laughs> they, 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 they hypothesize it's due to hormonal imbalances or something, you know, something mm. like that, which is just kind of like, sounds like finger in the wind uh, <laughs> claims, claims at time. Yeah. There's, yeah, but there's cadaver studies which show that females have more bone, uh, sorry, more muscle attachments along the distal third at the site oh. of pain. And interestingly, so there was one study, it was 73, 72.5% of the female cadavers had soleus muscle, so the calf muscle attaching to that, that part of their tibia. So maybe that's probably, that could be a reason as well, not just... Hormonal imbalances, yeah. you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> actual like, different anatomy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's a bit of the rabbit hole. You can get me yeah. there. <laughs> so it is so, quite a, a broad term then, isn't it? Yeah. I guess when someone says shin splints, it could mean a variety of things. Yep. Um, and then we're talking about medial tibial stress syndrome. Yep. Um, so just to make it really clear for some of our listeners, what would be 
the best way to actually diagnose um, medial tibial stress syndrome? I mean, I imagine it would require seeing a professional, but <laughs> what are the like maybe the things that they could look out for or some of the symptoms that they might experience that they would, would then lead for them to go and actually get it diagnosed? Yep. Well, the first thing is the site. So mm. where does it hurt? So I often yep. have people go, I've got MTSS, medial tibial stress syndrome. I'm going to start calling it MTSS. Yeah, good. I, was, um, I kept going to say that. It's going to be a long podcast <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. And eventually one of us will be able to be So MTSS, uh, they go, oh, I've got it. I think I've got MTSS. And I go, where are you sore? And they're like, you know, I'm trying to describe it for the listeners, kind of like yeah. on, the out, on the outside of the shin, yeah. on the top half. I'm like, mm. well, that's, uh-huh. that's, that's immediately not. Was mm-hmm. like, it's not MTSS there. Um, so what they're looking for with MTSS is it's the, what they were saying in clinic is the distal third of the posterior medial tibial border to dumb it right down and make it easy. Like I'm come from an engineering background. So I had to learn the easy way first as well inside mm-hmm. border of your shin. So same side as your big toe. And then mm-hmm. in the bottom third of your shin bone along the border, if you're sore there and you've got pain appearing there at the start or the end of exercise, it tends to dissipate and ease off in the middle, then it could be MTSS. Um, you kind of want to go then to a physio, a podiatrist, sports physician, sports and exercise physician, SNC coach, like anyone who then knows how to do a power patient test. So just touch along the border. And if they see that, it's sore to touch for five centimeters or more. It's the key thing here. It's a spread of pain. Then you're very likely to have going to have MTSS. <laughs> mm. You kind of want to rule out that focal pressure. The, but I think I think the best thing, honestly, to do is have someone diagnose it who can navigate all the differentials, rule out compartment syndrome because you don't want to have acute compartment syndrome, even chronic exertional compartment syndrome. You don't want popliteal artery entrapment syndrome. You don't want any of these other things that could be a lot nastier, Mm. not just about making it more difficult to treat when you're treating Mm. the wrong thing, but you don't want anything else to turn out nasty. Um, So, yeah. And and so um, stress fractures as well. I imagine that's something that is quite sinister if that's missed, but I'm wondering though, the stress fractures in the tibia, are they, if they're in that um, position, is that really just the longer term outcome of poorly managed MTSS? Like, is that what it is? Theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. So they say with the the bone loading spectrum, if you don't intervene or, or kind of stop the excessive loading, it can lead to a stress fracture. Mm. The interesting thing though, and I'll probably not get backed by papers here, but I get backed by like top, like top physios and pods and things like that is they're actually not seeing the progression. They just see someone have a stress fracture. Mm. So they're not seeing someone present with MTSS symptoms and then all of and a then, sudden it turns into a stress yeah. fracture. All of a sudden they just have, they go stress from nothing fracture. to stress fracture. So yeah. Theoretically, it all lines up that excessive loading, and I'm sure it would people would develop stress fractures. Mm. But I think what you've got to be mindful of is 
a lot of these clinicians. So Craig Purdom, who was at the AIS, the physio there, he was saying in his 35, 40 years at the AIS, um, I'd say it probably just because you did a good job of treating them. Um, it was, he was like, I've never seen anyone actually go from initial symptoms to a stress fracture. It's mm. just stress fracture from the get go. Um, and they're unfortunately a whole lot more difficult. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So if, if we're saying that potentially MTSS can lead to the stress fracture, if you are diagnosed with it, with MTSS, yep. can you run through it? Do you have to completely stop? What's the management there? I, obviously, I'm assuming it's individual and obviously go and see someone, but is, <laughs> do you have to completely cut out your running normally or is that something that you can continue sort of managing? It's actually, so a lot of things I read tell everyone, and not in research, the first thing I see is you've got to rest, right? And I think that's a misconception. Uh, if, if we think about <clears throat> what's going to happen to your bone if you completely rest, it's a chance to recover, but it's also not going to be exposed to load again, mm. and it's going to get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker until you build back up. I think the the best research is showing, and there's a it was at Wollongong, a guy Joshua Maddock, he's a PhD researcher there in, into MTSS, so he clearly loves MTSS. I'm sure all the runners, if they listen, who are listening to your podcast, they live in Wollongong, they probably saw his ads for free biomechanical assessments to their biomechanics oh. lab and all that stuff. Um, he, he, gave a, he gave a good talk on once and then a lot of the research kind of mirrors it is you just got to, you've got to keep running at a reduced load. Um, there's a pain severity score out there. So it's not two out of 10, like, oh, I feel like I'm in two out of 10 of pain. It objectively gives you a measure of two out of 10. It's called the winters as like the, the season winters uh, pain severity score for MTSS and if you're sitting at two out of ten of pain or less then you're good and you keep keep working on it as soon as you go above that you've got to take 24 hours off take a step back in your running program but you don't completely rest you want to find that point where you can keep training not in too much pain and then slowly and methodically build on that otherwise your body's not going to get a chance to build the bone build the resilience against it is is the logic there so wouldn't rest completely but also wouldn't just keep running completely because yeah, i know what yeah. that statement means yeah yeah, <laughs> mm, yeah somewhere in between yeah, yeah it's yeah. really good advice because i think with just injuries in general um you usually get either people who will just push through it completely well, no matter what the injury is, like this is just broadly yep. speaking, I just continue to run through pain and be like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And then you get other people who will just, no, that's it, I've got to completely rest. Yeah. Or they might be the person who pushes through and then decides to rest later. Yeah. Um, and they just do absolutely nothing and they're so scared to make it worse. Yeah. And then when they come back, they sort of think they should be healed and ready to go again. And then yeah. they start to flare things up, which as you've just said, if you do rest, you're not loading your tissue, your body is then deconditioning and then you're not yep. making the gains and you're not actually healing. You're just um, maybe you're not as inflamed, but yep. you're not then actually ready to run again. So I think it's good that you yeah. said that about the pain level because I think it is confusing for athletes because yeah. then when they do get to, oh, you can, but just not too much. It's like, well, yeah. what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the trick is on that score is if you get two out of 10 in pain on that score, 
from memory, it's it's even it's a lot less than two out of ten in pain. If you're just thinking, you know, if I asked you, Lydia, how sore are you out of ten, and you're like two, you know, it's going to be <laughs> going to be less than that. Like it's a pretty low level amount of pain because mm-hmm. um, you want to be respecting that the body's got to recover, and at the same time, you want to keep the body under load, not just for your own training, but to overcome the injury. The risk factor people have running through it and ignoring it is there's this threshold basically in all the research which shows I think it's it's either eight weeks or nine weeks. If you've had symptoms for eight or nine weeks of MTSS, then you can expect uh, 90% of uh, people who have pain for at least that long can expect 250 days until they can return to pain-free running for 18 minutes wow. with zero pain. You know, if it's, and then 50% of them, 110 days. So this is what these big RCTs randomized controlled trials in the Netherlands. Um, other studies have shown, you know, similar thing, nine months is the expected return that you want to communicate to a patient. And this isn't like they're going to spend nine months in agony. This is like they can, they're going to spend nine months until they can run. You know, they're not in any pain and they're at a reduced risk of recurrence. But mm. so for anyone who thinks they want to push through it, you kind of got to look at your season, where are you at? What races mm. are coming up? Can you risk pushing through it? Because if you don't address it as an acute short-term injury, you're all of a sudden get put in this bucket where it's like, mm. well, almost a year <laughs> you, yeah. until, until you run without pain. So, and that's with graded running programs, strengthening wow. everything. So it's uh, not an injury you want to get for that long. Yeah, for no. sure. That's a long time to be out. Um, <laughs> it is, yeah. And do you think a part of that um, sudden increase in length is, I mean, this might be sort of um, crossing into another topic, but <laughs> more um, like an emotional component, the sort of oversensitized nervous system, like dipping into that sort of chronic pain world. Like yeah. obviously once, I mean, I don't know if this is really your area, but w- like what what do you think? suddenly changes that um, return to sport or return to play I definitely think I definitely think awareness of pain is at play the whole way through you know Mm. like with with any injury just from my own experiences Mm. even before running with my shoulders you know and you know as a swimmer you get very aware and familiar with your shoulders so (laughs) you can feel the slightest thing being wrong um, all the way through your upper body and you're just aware and that's going to happen of course with runners when you're like how is my shin going mm. oh I can feel something oh mm. no you know that that is definitely something that I haven't seen it written down but it's something that from talking to a lot of physios and podiatrists that they always say yeah the awareness of the injury is definitely inhibitor as well because they're looking for the pain but you know it's also a good thing that they're doing that and not, not, yeah. kind of, not kind of committing uh, and then putting themselves in a worse spot. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's sure. a delicate balance. Yes. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And can we chat about, I guess, some of the treatment options then we've discussed a little bit um, yep. on sort of returning to running and, but how would you address that again? It's an individual thing, but um, in terms of strength, exercises to do in terms of how you manage returning to running like having one day off one day on something like that what's kind of the process with that um well the return to running program 
it's a bit hard to comment on depend it's really individual yeah, person yeah but the way we think about it to make it nice and easy is we just call a graded running program and return to running program that's the hot dog in the treatment <laughs> and everything else we're going to throw on top is condiments right so even <laughs> even our products so you know you've got to look at your shoes are you wearing the right shoes that is actually a thing a lot of people i'll see in these shin splint forums arguing about it it's it's a mm. thing not not necessarily because you know there's finicky little details in shoes you're looking for wear and tear on the shoes so how quickly are the shoes changed out you know they haven't been worn for too long are they getting support you know if you think of like a little twig and you're just like like a stick off the ground you're just hitting it vertically into the floor it's just going to break <laughs> right but as soon as you put a nice cushion under the twig it doesn't break because it's got all this shock absorption happening so having a supported pair of shoes. I know there's more planes involved. Um, <laughs> it's going to show your tibia the love it needs, right? Um, orthotics are very good for people who have midfoot overpronation. Like it's a, it's a very specific thing. Not everyone should use orthotics. So the best podiatrists will look at them and go, right, they're an overpronator. And then I'm going to put them in orthotics for the short to medium term to bring them out of them. So to help them, help them uh, kind of tackle the symptoms strengthening so all the way from core down like basically looking at multiple things going on the kind of golds the one thing that you really want to be seeing in strengthening is your you know your calf raises for your gastroc and your soleus um, but particularly soleus everyone seems to forget to do their bent knees uh, mm. when we're talking calf raises um, yeah you know so just also, um quickly on that so for the listeners, so like our, our calves are obviously on the back of our lower leg yep. and the pain is on the front. How yep. does that relate? Why so, is that going to help us? So the theory is, um, so every time you run, every time you stride, your soleus, so your big flat calf muscle, one of two, depending who I talk to, one of three in your triceps, so your big calf muscle, um, it takes up to eight times body weight each stride mm, when you're jogging. A lot. So that's, that's a lot, right? So what happens is if you're a good way to think about it is, which I tell everyone is this, you're at the top of a downhill track, right? It's off-road, there's rocks, there's jumps, and you're looking at two bikes. You've got a road bike with no suspension kit. The only thing that's going to absorb the shock is the little thin bit of rubber on the wheels and your ass right? And then the next bike is a mountain bike with a full suspension kit. So it's got all the springs and dampers. You're going to pick the downhill bike, right? Because it's there, it's going to disperse the load through the frame. It's not going to disperse the load through your ass. The person who picks the road bike to go downhill, there's no shock absorbers except the frame and the human body. The frame often breaks. What I want you to think about when you're looking down there between your knee and ankle is your tibia is like the bike frame. If you're just going to run on your tibia, it's going to break. You need to take up, look after all those shock absorbers on the back mm -hmm. of your legs. So every time your foot hits the floor, if your soleus isn't able to function correctly and withstand that shock, you know, you're going to get into trouble and it's going to be overly dispersed through your shin bone is the way to think about it. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think that's really useful. I think, of runners 
um, we'll be able to take that on board mm. and hopefully add in some bentony calf raises to their <laughs> gym routine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you got the soleus, yep. gastroc, so calves, and then working yep. up from there. Uh, look, everything else, it's just very patient specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I know hip, internal, external rotation are both factors that you need to be looking at, you know, uh, for strengthening and conditioning. So trying to make sure there's a nice balance. I know when I started running, I had, you know, just over, like, if you looked at me standing still, I was just over external rotating on my right leg, like nothing else. So my foot was oh, over like external rotating. It was just like, my foot was just kind of like, <laughs> off in the distance um yeah so you know so you want to be looking at those things you're looking just at the whole chain you know if you got a if you get a runner who's strong and hitting the right standards for strengthening you know from their core down you know even higher if you want to do it you know they're all risk factors um you mm. see it for, even not just for mtss just for a variety of injuries you know you want to make yeah. sure they're running right and they're strong and can withstand it well, it seems to pop up all the time, like glute yeah. med strength, yeah. overpronation, yeah. gastroc, soleus, VMO, yeah. like they're all yeah. the sort of ones that come up in yeah. a whole range of different injuries for runners, yeah. which is almost frustrating because it makes you think oh, we're still getting it wrong. Why are we still getting it wrong? Surely yeah. we can just strengthen it all up and <laughs> we'll be fine. But obviously there's yeah. more to the story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. Um, are there specific, you just said something about standards, like if you're hitting the standards, are there um, a certain, well, as you said, standards for strength that a runner should be able to hit? And if they don't, then that's going to be a risk factor. Is that what you were alluding to? Or is it so that, not quite as black and white as that? Uh, not, well, as, I don't know, no, no, the standards, sorry. So I know with, um, when I refer to standards, I always just refer to the opinion of where my physio or podiatrist wanted mm. me at. Mm. Um, of course, I, know, yeah. I know there's some, I know there is standards for diagnosis. Like, so on the of river, course. Yeah. No, yeah. Not, not the other way. Um, I'm mm. sure, sure there, I'm sure there are out there. But that, yeah. Depending on your like, body weight and gender and all those sort of, of things. Course. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's it. Yeah. It's quite variable. Yeah. But I mean, you hear some people, so, or some physios say, oh, you need to be able to do 20 single leg calf raises, mm. yeah. two seconds up, two seconds yeah. eccentric. Yeah. Um, and then other people say, no, that's ridiculous. Like <laughs> I've got marathon runners who can only do this. Or you know what I mean? Like it yeah. it's, obviously is quite variable, but yeah. there was also some people who seem to have a really set idea of what it should look like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it's... Um, maybe you just stop for debate or another area of yeah. research. Probably <laughs> Someone another else area can of research. Someone else do their PhD in that, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've spoken about strengthening, um, looking at shoes, looking at footwear, yep. biomechanics, overpronation. Yep. Um, and, yeah, so what other strategies are out there to manage or treat, I should say, um, shin splits? Yeah. So, or MTSS, um, I should say. Well, the, the, the nightmare in all of this is uh, that it's pretty much the only thing that's cons- consistently backed up in research is the graded running programs. Um, and then the other two RCTs that have been done are on ones with prefabricated orthotics for you know, looking at overpronators in the military, I believe. Someone can mm. go prove that right or wrong. 
Um, and then the other is just silicon insoles, so just cushions for your feet. Um, mm. There's been stuff into shockwave therapy, but it's kind of a bit early, a bit one way or the other. It's like either it works really well or it doesn't work at all. Um, it's been, been what's been coming out. There's some stuff in calcium and vitamin D supplementation. Um, but pretty much from memory, I think that's about it. And everyone else, you can, you can try pretty much all you want, but all those things, as, as I said earlier, load management always comes into, you'll see a lot of these studies, they're always those things on top of load management. Mm. And it's not because just because load management is considered king or queen. It's not considered just because it's the hot dog. It's because, you know, in sports medicine, you know, you know talking to athletes, they're not, not going to do what the current standard is or what, what's expected of them. They're not going to just do these new things without everything else. So there hasn't been any real standalone studies, I believe, uh, on a lot of those things. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So it's a bit of combination of a few different things. A yeah, little bit of trial think, and error, I guess. I think your best bet is... Um, the graded running program. So mm -hmm. find someone to help craft it for you. So help you deload and then give you some steps to build back up. Um, and then some kind of systems in place for if you've all of a sudden gone too hard too soon. Um, so how to, how to deload and continue back up without resting. That's a great way to do it. Strengthening, you know, so accepting that a lot of the risk factors are caused by muscular dysfunction in the area, particularly of the soleus. Um, and then, the biomechanical changes like those key three, those three are quite consistent and seem to have a lot of clinical relevance, not just research relevance as well. Yeah. So, awesome. Okay, cool. And I'm then, sorry if I forgot one and someone finds it later. <laughs> that sounded good. That was it. <laughs> I'm sure you touched on it earlier anyway. Um, so then we've got all of that kind of the three or four main factors. Where yep. does solution come into all of that? Well, solution was our way to kind of solve this problem of it taking too long. Mm. That's, that was the key thing here is, you know, as I said earlier, these typical returns, for them to say a typical return for someone who's had shin splints for eight weeks plus, they can expect nine months. Oh, that's mm. just ridiculous. Mm. Oh, that was basically it. That's all this was. It was like, that's just like, like that was just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and if that's like, typical, well, there must be some that take longer than that. Like, Oh, well that you see average. And the problem is when you talk to athletes, so the highest risk factor, which I probably should have said earlier, the highest risk factor for MTSS is you've had it before basically. Mm -hmm. So you get athletes like my colleague, Will, who had it every single season from 14 to 22, and then he would get over it, try new interventions and have it again next season. And that's the typical journey a lot of these people have. Um, so basically, we just thought it sucked. It's plain and simple. You know, we knew it worked. We just thought it sucked. And then we went out and spoke to, so with this new South Wales Health Program, we spoke to 500 runners and 73 clinicians uh, over 13, 14 weeks. And every single runner who had MTSS basically said the same thing. We were just like asking them open-ended questions like, what's good about treatment and then people were like, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, what's bad about it. And it was always, it's too long. But then the other thing that came out was there was no kind of short term win. They were just getting told we're going to deload. We're going to look mm. at everything. You're going to be in pain. 
you can put some ice on it if you want to manage the pain, all these different mm. things. It's very frustrating. Um, so, yeah, and it seemed to be, and the statements we got, particularly actually from the weekend warriors, so just your park runners, a lot of them running for mental health. Um, mm. MTSS seemed to be this big inhibitor for them and this big kind of, you know, I don't know how you'd say it, just this big hindrance for them being able to run for their own mental health. And it was quite astounding, actually. So the way where the solution fits is, you know, for your everyday runner, it's basically you would do a running program to help you get back up. And what you can expect is short-term improvements, so short-term pain management. Um, you can expect improvements in dorsiflexion, so helping part of the soleus dysfunction. You know, so you want to use that with your strengthening and stuff like that as well. But over time, so in the randomized control trial we did, well, had an external registrar do, you know, the patients with the solution were all running pain-free and didn't have recurrence by week five. So, you know, so they tagged it on with all the right things and reduced this usual weight from, in our RCT, we followed the placebo group for six months. They had load programs and a placebo device and everyone did basically anything they wanted. They just had to log it. Um, they were just separated in those two groups. Everyone with the placebo by six months still wasn't at full load training. We saw a typical return as we see in research for them. Yeah, everyone with the solution was at five weeks full load. So it's not a magic wand, but mm -hmm. what it does do is it gets you, it could get you in some cases, if we look at the typical results, it gets you 210 days of training pain-free when it's used with the other things. And that's, that's the key point of why it exists. Um, but then we get some professional athletes who just won't, they're not able to deload, maybe it's the end of the season. Mm. You know, so they're just like, give me something to get through. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's where it kind of comes in. Like it's a pretty solid pain management tool. Like really yeah. it's, it's like reduces the pain really quickly um, when you wear it. So you wear it for 30 minutes to two hours after training. Um, it's not meant to be worn when running. Uh, it's one of the common questions I get asked, but <laughs> nah. <laughs> could, we, um, could we actually explain to listeners what solution is? Because we haven't yet described yep. that. So obviously, Soph and I, well, we, neither of us I've have tried worn on. them. Oh, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, so I've tried tried it on. Sure. I mean, okay, well, there you go. I mean, I've yep. not tried one on, but I've, I've held one. So anyway, we have an idea of what it is, yep. but our I don't know that all our listeners will. So could we describe yep. it and explain what it looks like, how yep. you use it, where so, you get so, it from? Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a medical device. So it's basically, it looks like a black sleeve, like a compression sleeve, what that you usually see with blue straps. And it's got four horizontal blue straps going around it. And it covers your whole calf. Now, along the front as well as the four blue straps there's this vertical stripe that you put over your tibia now that's what it looks like but what happens mm. when you put it on so those that black sleeve isn't a compression sleeve it's for leg hair uh, and just skin rubbing oh now, okay so it's not a it's if that black sleeve applies compression it counteracts all the stuff i'm about to tell you about so mm. the device works in three ways right so there's three things happening on this thing, which looks quite simple. So the first is we're looking at the soleus muscle, so the calf, so the top three straps have basically what's the easy way to describe it is it's like a rubber thumb, right? That sits on the strap and then you line it up with these points on your soleus. You get guided by 
the instructions or the physio, the podiatrist, or anyone who's educated can show you how to use it. And what they do is they basically apply focal pressure to the two origins and the one insertion of your soleus. And what happens there, that's this theory, it's called, it's mechanotherapy because they're thumbs, it's what it's called. It's addressing what's called a myofascial pain disorder theory. So they showed in research that if we target these origins and this insertion sites of a few muscles, um, they're basically we can reduce muscle over contraction through the whole muscle. So those three points on your soleus get targeted and it reduces tension in, in your soleus, mm -hmm. right? So we did, we did a clinical study on that. It was called a prospective cohort study. 30 people wore it for an hour and their needle walls, do you know the needle wall measure for, yeah. for listeners so is how, how far away can you get your foot away from the wall and get your knee touching the wall without your heel? coming off that is that i reckon that's an easy way to describe yeah. it so, yeah so how flexible your calf is yeah how flexible yeah. your calf is so yeah. they had so they had a 21 percent average improvement in an hour across the 30 mm. participants and we're seeing some good sustained results so that's we're well, sorry with one hour of wearing the sleeve um straight after a run or just multiple times no, a week so this so this was just they had a needle wall 30 people needle wall put the device on for an hour, then took oh. it off and got another needle wall. The control was right. an improvement. So it was quite quite a big difference. Um, we see things, so there's that, there was a case study we did with boobs on the run in Sydney. Um, they had a runner there who had a three centimeter and a five centimeter needle wall or a three and six, quite, mm. I can't remember what it was. They were just terrible. Um, uh, and then within two weeks, she was back above eight centimeters in both legs. So she had 170 ish percent improvement in two and a half weeks on her needle walls. Um, wow. so that's that bit. So it's basically, you put it on after training and it's going to offload your soleus. It's going to reduce tension through it. So a lot of people say it makes their calves feel really good is, is mm. the way to explain it. And you can just wear it while walking around. It's not uncomfortable. People get surprised by how. It's not, shouldn't be uncomfortable. If, you, if it's uncomfortable, it's unfortunately on a little bit wrong or it's the wrong size. Mm, okay. So that's, those are the top three straps that do all that. Um, so it sounds like that's really just addressing the possible strength issue with the soleus. Is that correct? That people's yeah. soleus are weak and tight and angry and yeah. those straps are deloading it getting blood yeah. flow allowing it to move and restoring that ankle range of motion is that correct yeah pretty much so dysfunction we're looking at tightness and weakness mm. right so we're not really addressing weakness no right? of so course if, yeah if we can make if we can make people stronger we would but as everyone knows yeah. i make athletes work on strengthening it's a nightmare so you know <laughs> yeah. anything that comes out wider like any drug authority kind of <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're looking at the tightness. So we're in part the theory there is reducing tension to help the body kind of absorb the load better mm. and not and not kind of disperse it right through the shin bone. So make the soleus more functional. Um, we're also so the second component is there's just a rod that basically gets compressed down along that third of the border of the of the shin bone where it all hurts. And what oh. we're doing there is we're just directly tackling inflammation. So compressing mm. inflammation, not the biggest, you know, biggest invention. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
and then and then the four straps as well as doing all their things so this is doing all their things together they pull the calf around so they apply what's called an inframedial torsion so they pull the calf around towards that inside border of the shin bone mm -hmm. so it reduces all the tension down that border mm, um, right i see what you so mean. all in all what's happening is it's helping with the bone loading in a bone loading capacity by reducing tension in the calf and then in another regard i think hang on sorry my max just beeping so it's reducing tension in the calf let me just plug this in i didn't realize my charger was off Oh, you're good. Um, reducing tension in the calf um, to help with the bone loading components there, targeting inflammation, but all the fascial traction, that soft tissue stuff that I, that I was mentioning earlier. So we're reversing that by bringing the calf around. So it reduces the tension on, on, on any of the fascia there. And that also, it, there's also the benefit of if anyone's got any celial fascial attachments that are causing problems if the soleus is not as tight mm. um, it reduces that tension so yeah a long-winded way to basically just say it's uh basically like a nice glorified medical sock with straps and thumbs uh, and then <laughs> that make that makes your calves feel good after you wear it so yeah wow that's cool would you say that's with awesome. the um change in sort of ankle dorsiflexion that knee to wall yep. test would mm. having limited range of motion in that I guess muscle group or position is that a risk factor? Mm. Say that I was gonna ask in terms of prevention, well. like obviously we want to prevent getting this. Um, yeah. Would be addressing rain, ankle range of motion be something to look at stretching your calves? Basically, would that be yeah. worth doing? So poor dorsiflexion is a risk factor for the injury. Mm -hmm. um, it's a risk factor for a lot of injuries. Yeah. Like poor, so that's a lot of these professional teams do need a walls every day, every training day to make mm -hmm. sure their athletes are above. I think one of the standards there, so I know this standard is eight centimetres need a wall mm -hmm. um, is what they're looking for. And they're looking for no greater than two centimetres differences between the left and right side. Mm, okay. So the problem so is at home can do that. Yeah. Get your rulers out. <laughs> yeah. Get your rulers out, do a need a wall. Um, it's a really good, I'm not entirely sure on the gait implications just because every time I talk to someone who's works with running gait all the time, I sometimes hear contradictory things when I'm asking them to teach me. Um, so I'm not entirely sure. I think the theory, the most common theory is, is it if they've got that in reduced dorsiflexion, they're running with more of a blocking gait and kind of hitting the brakes every time they mm. hit the floor. Um, yeah. Interesting. So Unable potentially to use their soleus yeah. or just contributing to that dysfunction. Yeah. But the, um, all those things, as far as I know, are kind of retrospective. Mm, so okay. they identify them in sufferers. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there who, who have poor dorsiflexion as well. So it is a risk factor for a lot of injuries and is something you should address. For the soleus, so the most clear research is because it came out last year, they've shown though that soleus activity is directly linked to MTSS. So mm -hmm. it is a muscle that's implicated in MTSS. So you do want to be looking at your tightness, your knee to walls, you want to look at your strengthening because poor function of the soleus and overactivity and strain of the soleus is linked 
directly to MTSS. And that, that was from a study on, I think, 73, uh, 73 runners or students in the Netherlands. So I think that's a pretty good one for everyone to refer to. And they, that was perspective. So they watch people get the injury um, oh, so, wow. and let them get it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Gosh. Well, wow, so does that mean, I mean, obviously sound, well, you haven't studied uh, the solution project on other injuries or maybe you have, I don't know, but does that mean that if you're, if the solution improves people's need a wall, it could potentially help alleviate symptoms of other injuries potentially? We're well, not ready to make those claims yet, I imagine. No. But uh, so we, it gets used a lot for a variety of other injuries as an adjunct. But it, the key mm. step, the key step for its use is right. So it improves dorsiflexion, mm. and then a health practitioner will go, "This injury that you have is being made worse or made more severe because you have limited dorsiflexion." Mm. Um, so the there's solution. that. And then they, yeah, then they throw it on. So injuries we've seen that used for as an adjunct. And when I say an adjunct, it's like one piece of this big puzzle. Mm. So of course, real nasty plantar fasciitis patients where they've got, you know, they've tried everything under the sun. And then all of a sudden you go, Hey, do a needle wall on your patient. They do a needle wall and they've got like a one or two centimeter needle wall. We know that poor dorsiflexion does result in overloading of the fascia right like that's a that's a chain that's been mapped out and con- connected numerous times um mm-hmm. so we do know there's a connection there i again this is one of those things like does poor dorsiflexion cause it or does plantar fasciitis cause mm-hmm. it but we know yeah. this and we know it's a risk factor and there's symptomatic relief once it's happened the most common other injury we see it used for is um it's real hazy again. So this is the beauty of sports medicine. Uh, it's not as clear as everyone would think it is sometimes. Uh, lateral compartment syndrome. So the anterior shin splints, it's often called. So mm. the problem is the amount of people who've come to us through, like, so when I say PI, I mean physios and podiatrists and, and their, their athletes and on professional teams have compartment syndrome. It doesn't reflect the stats. And I was kind of like, oh, you shouldn't be using it for compartment syndrome because we're a compression style device. You shouldn't be mm. compressing a compartment that's under pressure, um, <laughs> basically. Uh, so it's, it's what's called a contraindication. But they kept doing it and they kept getting results. <laughs> and then I found a researcher in, I haven't met this research, but I found his paper in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And he's shown that, you know, like anterior shin pain, um, he got sick and tired of everyone calling it lateral compartment syndrome as well and not testing it. And he's actually termed a new injury, which is ex- getting widely accepted, just called biomechanical overload syndrome. And that's basically your tibialis anterior. So the muscle that makes you dorsiflex. So pull your toes up towards your shin for the listeners. Uh, one of the muscles that helps with the dorsiflexion. If your soleus is tight, then if you can imagine like a pulley system, if your soleus is pulling against the tibialis anterior around the pulley, the tibialis anterior is smaller and loses and gets overworked. So if we reduce tension in the soleus, the tibialis anterior doesn't have to fight so mm-hmm. much in this like tug of war kind of pulley game. And, you know, that's, that's been the injury we've seen it used for quite a lot. Um, but again, I always push 
because I don't want I, the, my biggest nightmare is this gets used for headaches or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's like my biggest nightmare. And I, you know, I get sickened. Like we only try and we sell it for what we know and that's MTSS and improving dorsiflexion. And then mm. we let the health practitioners make their own decision mm. on where else to use it. Yeah. I, th- I think that's really good. And I think that makes your product a lot more trustworthy because there's so many people out there trying to sell things that <laughs> yeah. uh, a magic solution and they're going to fix everything and yeah. you're going to detox your life and yeah. improve your running and yeah, just yeah. everything. And it's, it's very frustrating yeah. because you see yeah. people waste money, waste time and it's just dumb and it's just frustrating to watch and confusing yep. for athletes as well because you know people who are quite committed to their training and their sport yep. or as we touched on before the mental health component people just want to run people just want to yep. move people want to be active and when they can't they'll often do anything they can or spend money on things see different therapists you know people want answers yeah so no, I agree. One of the best things that I think can happen is so, so far it's just helped me teach people to diagnose it better. Um, Mm. Even in clinics, um, it was getting misdiagnosed quite a lot, uh, MTSS. Mm. uh, And it was the device was getting used for the wrong injury every now and then. Like when Mm. I say every now and then, I mean like it happened less than five times, but it was enough to make me go, all right, it's enough. Um, for people to tell me it doesn't work on certain patients or they try it on injuries and it doesn't work. That's awesome. Right. And that's a big thing here because then I can help people steer clear of the things that it shouldn't be used for, or if they are in the Mm. population of people that it shouldn't, that we don't have good results on. Cause I'd rather have 500 people or a thousand people just over the moon with their results than 2000 or 3000 people who are kind of like meh. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so that's a big push for us is, hey, if it doesn't work, tell us why. Um, to the health practitioners, like, tell us why. When we sell it online, it's, you know, we do the 30-day return because we also wanted you. If you're not happy with it, tell us why. What's, what are you experiencing? So we build this log and we've got this log in the background. It's only, we've only had six returns, five returns as well, like barely any returns over 1,500 legs. So a lot of people are really happy with it. But for those people, as it gets bigger and bigger, hey, what are the commonalities? And then we can put it on our website. If you're this person, you might not, you can expect different results. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, you know these people tend to be at the moment, you know, from a small popu- population group, people who've had catastrophic kind of ankle injuries. Um, and then they're limited in every way. <laughs> like, yeah. like just, they need you know, a bit more and, this, help. <laughs> and this, this isn't about MTSS now either. It was for their dorsiflexion stuff. So they're like, Oh, I want to try and use this to improve my dorsiflexion. Mm. They're like, Oh, we didn't get re- the results we wanted. I go, Oh, tell me about your history. And they're like, Oh, I've had surgical interventions. I had a catastrophic oh. break. I'm like, all right, well, cool. <laughs> right, so now I can tell people if they've, you know, one of them was in a motorbike crash. If you've been in a, you had a catastrophic ankle injury and you've had all these plates and everything put in, um, maybe not. Maybe, maybe the solution is not for you. Yeah, yeah. this isn't the solution for you. Yeah. No. So. yeah. <laughs> well, that's so, good. That's yeah. good. It's good that, like, it's good to be honest and just mm. admit that it's not going to fix every single person's problem because mm. it's, it's yeah. a specific thing and it's going to yeah. help the people that have that 
specific injury um and how do people go about using it so obviously you're saying that you could get it from a physiopodiatrist that stock it you can get it from your website we know that margaret has stocked them at the runner shop as well but in terms of like do you need to go and get a diagnosis and then get a referral to get it um can anyone just buy it when they think they need it how does that sort of work the best way to do it is to go to a podiatrist or physio and say hey get your diagnosis confirmed first um, we've only been around since, you know, with these on the market since June-ish last year. Um, oh, wow. So not too long at all. Um, you know, so basically go to the podiatrist, physio, say, hey, get your diagnosis confirmed. Um, if they, here's a trick for everyone. If they just tell you shin splints and they can't help you narrow it down to MTSS or another injury, go talk to another physio or podiatrist because mm, yeah. you're not going to get, you, you know, you're, you're not on the right track yet. So go find someone who can help you navigate the injury properly would be step one. Um, and then if they, you can buy it through them, if they stock it, you know, we've got a few hundred clinics who stock it and order it through distributors, or you can get it direct from us. It's the same price. doesn't matter really for you um, either or. But what you've got to do is you use it in line with a running program. Like that's the key thing here. Like, you know, we do have patients who get really good results without running programs, but it's not what we call a typical result. You know, Mm. your best result and your best bet is to go, hey, partner with someone, get this running program, get someone Mm. to look at your biomechanical faults and strengthening issues and go, right, now Mm. I can add this thing on top, you know, from the clinic or from online and I can expect to return quicker. And then yeah. next time you get the acute symptoms, because they're designed to last for quite a few years, as soon as you start getting the smallest acute system, uh, symptoms, you've got something to quickly intervene with um, mm. that's, that you keep in a drawer. You can intervene yeah. real quick, but then you've also got education from your treatment partner to start taking some initial steps. And then, hey, if, it, if you're not resolving your symptoms or they're getting worse, go straight back to them. Um, the mm. key thing there is just for that diagnosis, diagnosis and all those other treatment modalities. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's a tool in the toolkit and there's yeah. a lot more yeah. to, to a lot more work to do, I guess, for the patient. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, that's really, really good to hear. We're super fortunate that people are like, really loving this tool in the toolkit mm, and it's yeah. like getting, getting them really good results. And yeah, we've got all the clinics and the teams who've been using it, like, you know, they're getting the quickest results they've ever gotten by quite a long shot. Um, so they're really stoked. They're really happy. Um, but the big push is, you know, it's because it's a medical device as, and, you know, and just on the honor system and trust system, all our evidence is done in line with that running program. So don't forgo, historically Mm. what works if those things didn't work for you in the past go either reassess how you did it maybe you need a different kind or ask yourself because this is the big problem did i become uncompliant because it took so long (laughs) Mm. (laughs) yeah i give up because you know you've got to look at how long it takes like for a lot for some people it is that nine month issue so Mm. you know that's that's where the device will help hopefully well, make it a four to five week issue yeah i mean that's so exciting because yeah you hear so many people that have shin splints 
ongoing for so long and it's just the biggest barrier to running and often um people just lose motivation with running all together they just think oh it's just not for me or i can't run anymore like it's just not worth it it's too hard so yeah it's exciting to hear that there's something that people can use that are gonna speed up their recovery yes they still have to do the work they still have to have that graded return to run program yeah. or load management yeah. um, program. They still wanted to see a professional. There's no magic pill with anything, no. um, but there's something that's going to help them get back to doing what they want to do. Yeah. Get back to moving more um, or competing if you're competing at a high level. So that it's, yeah. it's fantastic. It's mm. exciting. And it's just the yeah. start, I guess, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty early pretty early days. <laughs> mm, yeah. I think it's good too with the whole like reoccurrence, as you were saying, that's mm. like the highest risk factor. If you yeah. have shin splints or MTSS, buy the solution, use it, and then, you know, stop using it or you start to increase your volume or something changes, new shoes mm. or whatever, then at least you've got that. And if yeah. you, as you said, as soon as you start to feel some symptoms, you've got it there ready. You don't have mm. to yeah. wait to book in to see someone like figure it all out again and start from scratch. It's mm. you've yep. got that ready to use whenever you need yep. it. Would you suggest um, in terms of prevention, if someone already had it, if they knew that they were going to start doing some more running, increase their volume, could they just wear it as a bit of a prevention if they've had history of it just to minimize the risk of recurrence? Because it could. So what we, what I, what I know is it prevents recurrence. So there's a fine line there. So people in the trials who continue to wear the device didn't get the injury again. Um, but I've got no data to say, well, if they stop wearing it for six months, then all of a sudden decide they're going to wear it again and go off mm-hmm. that it would prevent it. I think the key thing there is I would use it. Um, and that's not just to kind of, push my product up is I would use it from an athlete's perspective. So I did, mm. I was the person who prehabbed for an hour before every session, right? Yeah. On my shoulders and did everything. Right. So I would use it basically. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. I would have chucked it on, done all the strengthening, done all the stuff, geared back up mm. to make sure I could do it. Because if I kept doing what I used to do, if you're an athlete and you decide you're going to run again and you're going to up your load and you don't have new systems in place, well, you can expect, for, like history to repeat itself mm, basically so sure. why not why not chuck it on yeah you may as well if you've got it there for sure um and so if people want to buy it obviously as we mentioned they can get it from their podiatrist or physio if they stock it yep. or the runner's shop um or yep. probably some other shops but also your yep. website if they just want a little bit more information um yep. solution.com so it's s-o-l-u-s-h-i-n.com yep. Um, and yep. your Instagram is at the solution as well. So they can check out yep. a little bit more information if they want um, yep. as well. And then honestly, my, the, the email team at solution goes direct to me. We've got all the logistics ones, which go to Paul Rosa. So I won't tell you those, uh, but mm-hmm. te- team at solution.com will go straight to me. So if anyone has any questions or any concerns, or like any questions, a good question, like I'm here to navigate it and I hope, you know, I'll be the first person to tell someone I don't think it's for them um, mm. if they tell me if they tell me otherwise. So, um, yeah, I hope people yeah, reach definitely. out and ask those questions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. it. Well, that's it. More questions, more knowledge. Yep. Um, it's just helping more people. So cool. that's great. Thank you so much for your time today, Ben. It's been really no, great to have you, you on. Thank you, Sophie. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Um, hopefully the listeners got some value out of that. Um, again, 
you can even leave us a comment. We can pass on to Ben or reach him directly. Um, definitely check out the Instagram and have a look at through some of their posts. And yeah, all good. Thank you so much for your time. Amazing. Thank you. Take care. Thank you.